0: Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy upfront. front. Thryzer can help verify Hello, hello. Welcome to session 318 of Selling the Couch. I hope you're doing awesome and uh, just having a wonderful day. I am recording this in early, no, actually it's not. I'm just kidding. (laughs) In mid-June, these days are all flying by and uh, we're really enjoying some like wonderful weather here in Philly. Uh, Fortunately, just has been nice like 70 degree weather. This past weekend we made it out as a family to lancaster pennsylvania which is about 90 minute drive from philadelphia and uh we got to visit an amish farm and uh chloe our daughter just got to enjoy time with farm animals and she went down her first slide i know it's taken a while but she went down her first slide and we got this video and she's like you know trying to figure out how to go down this slide and uh so i'm like taking the video and then she goes for it and then we forget to tell her that she has to use her her legs to like stop herself so she goes like flying down so the end of this video is like terrible dad it's like (laughs) he's just bursting out laughing and uh fortunately she was okay and she like was such a good sport about it and uh, then the next time we practiced we went back up and dada held her Uh, while she kind of went down the slide. And then I, you know, I taught her uh, how to like use her feet and and mama was like there, you know, showing how to do it. And it was just, it was a wonderful family experience. And it was just a reminder, you know, uh, we build all of these beautiful things and beautiful businesses. And uh, at the end of the day, right? Like it is, we build them because of those, like because to get those like beautiful moments like that. And uh, I'm just so grateful for my family. And yeah, just that experience. If you are thinking about creating, Creating an online course. I know that many of us may be thinking about that right now in the midst of the pandemic and in a post pandemic world, whether it's just to diversify our income beyond therapy work or just to feel like we have a bigger message to share and we want to be able to share that in a different way. Uh, beyond just our geographic area, if all of that sounds awesome and you've been thinking about creating an online course, I uh, just wanted to invite you to download the free A to Z online course guide. Uh, I launched my first online course back in 2015 to a $297 sale and through a lot of just hard work and uh, a lot of trust in colleagues to purchase the course. So we've how had over 275 of our colleagues purchase the Healthcasters podcasting course, and I've learned a ton about what it takes to launch, grow, and scale a podcasting course and a course in uh, in general. And uh, that guide just has a lot of helpful information to help you get started. We're also launching something called Online Course School. This is a live cohort experience, so meaning that this isn't like a digital course on courses, although eventually it will have that, but this is more of a live experience where we therapists can gather over the course of six to eight weeks. And what I will do is I will teach you everything that I know about how to launch and grow a successful online course. We'll start with your idea and how to validate your online course. We'll then work through what your lessons and modules and all of those different things will look like. We'll actually take time and and actually do exercises to get those down. We'll come up with your course title and your subtitle uh, in a way that your students are excited to want to purchase that course. And then we'll talk about actually how to record and market your course as well. And you'll be joined with others in community and you'll have an accountability buddy and a bunch of really awesome stuff. And uh, if any of that sounds awesome, I encourage you to download again the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So we'll get right to today's session. So today's podcast session is a an interesting conversation. It's with Craig Morris. Craig works at Google. Craig is a good friend. We actually connected through a mutual friend, Kevin Shen, who's been a, a previous podcast guest. And Craig has, for the past seven years at Google, he's actually worked on the working, uh, well, most recently he's working with creators, especially to monetize their knowledge. And so he's learned a lot and is sharing a lot of tips now, these tips are all Craig's opinion and what based on his experience, and don't, of course, reflect those of, of his employer. I just wanted to clarify that. But we're talking about this concept of renting versus owning an audience. This is something that I am thinking a lot about. I remember when I started STC back in 2015. I had no idea what I was doing. I still like know a little more, but mainly still don't know what I'm doing. But I remember I some. I think it was something that Pat Flynn, I believe is the one who said it. He said it could have been either Pat Flynn or Amy Porterfield. I can't forget. I can't remember who it was. But basically said, uh, I think Pat said that, you know, building an email list was like waiting too long to build an email list was one of the biggest mistakes that he made as an online business owner. And then I remember Amy saying something like the strength of an online business is in the power of an email list. And I thought that was so interesting because like I would have thought at that moment, like the power is in the number of followers you have on social media, right? And it got me thinking a lot about it. And that was the reason for this conversation. This idea... We live in this world now of multiple social media platforms, and it can be like, I shared this in the actual conversation, like I'm fortunate to know friends that have like significant audiences we're talking like 150, 200, 250 plus thousand followers, right? And I just, and it's an interesting conversation like get to have with them about like some of the things that they're navigating, right? And one of the challenges of social media, and we'll talk about this, but is sort of that dopamine hit when you get a new follower or interaction with a social media post. But usually the number of social media followers is not always a reflection of the success of a business. So we're gonna talk about some of the strategies that you can employ in order to go from a rented audience to an owned audience. So you actually can communicate directly with those people as opposed to being tied down by a social media channel. So we'll get to today's conversation. Here's my conversation with Craig Morris. Hey, Craig, welcome to Selling the Couch.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Melvin.
0: One, I think before even jumping in, well, our, our mutual friend, Kevin Shen connected us and I'm just so grateful for our friendship. I mean, and I, you know, I shared this, you were part of, you did a, a guest workshop for our online income mastermind, uh, what, two weeks ago. And I said the same thing to them. Like you are honestly one of the most humble and kind people I've ever met. And I really am just so grateful for you, brother. And uh, just excited for today's conversation to nerd out on this idea of renting versus owning an audience. And uh, yeah, just super grateful for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. That's those are really kind words. I'd also yeah like to shout out Kevin uh, for the intro, and I think uh, even the topic is kind of inspired by him in some ways, and and his decision uh, to move his his uh, YouTube business into being more about uh, uh, teaching others how to build their own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is like one of the challenges we were talking just about this like right before we started recording, right? One of the Challenges of social media is especially if you pick the right platform, right? There are a ton of people on these platforms, right? And it can be so, especially if you have a focused niche, if you have something that people really crave and want information on, you can really build a sizable following. I mean, I was just mentioning, uh, you know, a friend that has like 181,000 plus followers on Twitter right? Like, and, but the other side of that, and maybe we'll start here is it can be really captivating to see numbers like that and just keep focusing on the platform, right? But it's not always the best strategy, right? And I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on that and maybe we'll jump in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. I think (laughs) the numbers are always the chase that the, the those on social media obviously feel. I think a lot of people, even in their personal life, are always looking at that like count and kind of getting that gratification, the dopamine hit of of doing something that other people approve of. From a business perspective, it's also... Very interesting to think about because there's obviously some level of validation for what you're doing when you see those numbers go up. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of risk in leaning entirely into having your customer lists or your your followers just on social media. So yeah, we can totally talk about that. I, th- I think there's there's a lot lot to go in and on there.
0: Yeah, we should definitely unpack some of that. You said so. there's some risk in leaning on social media. What would you say are some of those risks?
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the biggest ones that come to mind are really just, it's an always changing ecosystem. And the companies that kind of control the vast majority of these platforms, they have a lot of influence over what gets monetized. They can change their terms of service or monetization policies at any point. And at the end of the day, like really you're as someone on one of their platforms renting your audience from them. And what I mean by that is, Although you may have 180,000 followers on Twitter, other than contacting them through Twitter, there's not really a customer list that you own as a business owner or someone who wants to do something off platform. So if for whatever reason you got banned for Twitter, guess what? (laughs) That list is gone forever. And that's, I think, to me, a really big risk to consider. Yeah. I
0: mean, all of that is like so good and we'll continue to like unpack of what you shared. And And maybe I can even jump in and just share like a brutally honest like example uh, even this happened to me last week. Like, so, you know, the, the selling the couch Facebook meta community, right, is just under 10,000 members. And I made a post and it was just like a general, like, you know, a happy Father's Day and, you know, happy Juneteenth kind of post, right? Out of like, and I think we're like at right around maybe like 99,25 members, right? 9,925. The reach on that post, for some reason, I guess Facebook now shows like well, how many people saw it. 132. Right. Like
1: that's crazy.
0: That's crazy. Right. Like, yeah. With 9,925. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's like a, such a, I, I don't know. It kind of blew my mind. And I think it reinforced for me of like, man, I really am on like rented real estate here, you
1: know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think the other thing we we've kind of talked about in the past too, is then what does Facebook do with that? <laughs> and, uh, the next thing you'll, you probably saw was, uh, some sort of call to action to to boost your post, <laughs> and a little bit of a conflict there, I would say. You know, you've you've spent lots of time and money building your presence online. Um, you know, creating great content that people love, and I think probably until two three years ago, it felt a lot more like that audience was yours, and if you posted something, it would reach anyone who was kind of on the platform at that time. But now you'll get this boost my boost my post because the overall reach has been brought down by quite a bit. And now they're expecting you to pay ads to reach your own audience. And I I think that's really what I meant by renting your audience (laughs) more than ever. You actually have to pay to even talk to people who already follow you.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing because like I feel like when we're on these social media platforms and I know I just like mentioned Facebook, but I think this is generally true for any of them, which is like we feel like oh yeah this is a great way to like create content to share you know to connect with people and i know that many times i forget it's a business for them right and we're the customer right
1: customer and the product in many ways yeah. and
0: the product uh what do you mean by that like i
1: what i mean by that is you know everything you do on these platforms can be monetized so whether it's just getting ads in front of you or it's not necessarily selling, but using the audience data that they gain uh, from your behavior on their platform, that just gives them more to, to push more dollars or push for more dollars from advertisers. So in many ways, their own users kind of get packaged up as a product.
0: Yeah. It's such an interesting, it, I mean, the image that's like pops up in my mind is like the hamster wheel, right? You get on, right. And then you just keep running on this thing. And it's like, how do you get off? If I get off, I mean, this is a dilemma I've had, right? Like I have thought about shutting down that Facebook community because it's not easy running a Facebook group. I mean, it's, it's a lot of stress, particularly through the past couple of years and all of the different things that have come up. And I'm like, man, you know, like that's a lot of people, you know, that an audience that I would lose. And this is the tension I think, right? You feel, uh, what is the solution? I mean, in situations like this,
1: yeah, it's definitely, it feels like a very hard battle to win. I'm not sure there is winning, really. There's there's just strategies to kind of make sure that you can really own the audience that you've created. So I think the the first thing that I would, would do whenever you feel a little trapped in, the, in these kinds of scenarios is think about how you can get people onto the properties that you actually own. And so what I mean by that is it could be um, an email list, it could be a sign up for something that a service or a product that you provide on your website, but basically just converting those anonymous users from social media into people that you can have direct contact with, that can be just a lot more valuable. That's where you can make sure that you're not just, you know, talking to people, but also converting them for your business.
0: Uh, not at all, I'll put you on the spot, but is there any sort of like data in terms of, I mean, generally like I know we've talked about this that it's very hard to convert somebody from a like a social media post into a paying customer, right? But is there any sort of data like is like an email list is it more powerful and why?
1: Yeah, so I think it it really does depend on the business and kind of the effectiveness of your your, your marketing and and your basically your sales materials. But I think the, the best way to think of this is that if someone is on social media, they're an extra step away from a conversion. And what I mean by that is if if you only have the audience just on social media, you then need to convince them that what you're selling or what you've created is a is value to them. You need to get them to your website. They presumably need to sign up all over again, put in their payment details and, and then convert. And if you can create an email list or get people to the site earlier on in that process, it means when they finally do believe in your product or that they want to make a purchase, they've already skipped a few steps that they they need to take to, to make a purchase. So the conversion from that email list versus just talking to your followers on social media is inherently going to be higher.
0: So fascinating. I feel like a lot of therapists get stuck on like building an email list and creating an opt-in like can you like give like the dumbed down version of like, what's like the easiest way to do that? I mean, I mean, I've had multiple conversations recently. They're like, oh, Mel, I know I'm supposed to create an email list so that it can't be on social, but I get stuck with like, you know, am I supposed to create an opt-in? What's that supposed to look like? All of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot to consider. The, the first thing that I always tell people is if you're going to get them to give you your email address typically the expectation is they're getting something in return for that. And the reason for that is just, I mean, an email feels very personal. A like on social media doesn't feel like that much of a, a lift. And so what I've seen work well in the past is it could be giving away something for free so that they can understand the products or services that you're selling. It could be something as simple as like a checklist or some sort of like really quick like uh, and easy guide on how to, to think about something. It could even be exclusive access to content that's still hosted on social media, but that they get access to first. And basically what I've seen in, in research that um, I've done on some past projects is that perceived value, or it could even be a, a real value, a tangible value, is kind of the number one motivator for people uh, being willing to share information with the creators and businesses they care about
0: so interesting so uh let me just make sure i understand so if an individual has a higher perceived value of whatever that opt-in is or that exchange is right the more it sparks curiosity or interest or like maybe a burning desire the more likely they are to sign up for or to exchange that email is that right Exactly. Exactly. If you find anything like better than others, like for example, like webinar versus free guides versus checklists, or is it more like it's like, like like at a visceral level, like or a heart level, like, you know, this is something I want, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh I again I'd say it's very dependent on the, you know, the type of business or the the type of content that's being created. A few examples of, of what I've seen work well would be, you know, if it's a, if it's a business where there's some level of personal connection, something like an intro call that can be 15 to 30 minutes um, could be pretty important. That's obviously a little harder to scale, depending on the size of uh, of your business. I think the checklist or the guide, um, free guide, that feels very it's very easy to kind of quanti- quantify the value there, like what the value exchange is. You know, I'm getting this thing that helps me, you know, be happier or make more money or whatever it is, depending on the vertical. And then there's, there's even some, I guess, like simpler kind of com- quote unquote, like community building offers that you could make. So uh, perhaps you have a Discord channel that's only available to subscribers to the newsletter. In that case, you know, they get access to other people who care about, um, what you're doing, but they also feel like they're con- more connected to you as a business or as a creator. Um, that kind of exclusive access is a, is another one that, you know, it doesn't have a monetary value tied to it, but the experiential value and that feeling of belonging, um, I think has has a, a big impact.
0: Yeah, it's so fascinating. I mean, even like with STC, what I found is like, I definitely did the first ever opt-in we ever had was a tax write-off checklist for therapists. Right. And it was like super specific, but uh, like definitely there was like a need for it because people are always curious, like, can something be written off for taxes or not? But the mistake I think I made was, and I'm curious to kind of hear your thoughts. I felt like, it was not a product that was aligned with my business necessarily, even though it was really helpful, right? Because I'm not offering like tax advising services or anything like that, right? And we made the switch. I think about a year and a half, ago, two years ago. Man, the pandemic has like thrown my sense of like to like an A to Z online course guide for therapists, right? And so we we created it on Canva, you know, used a template. It's like really high quality and. I, and I've definitely gotten emails like from, from my colleagues and like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. This, I can't believe you gave this free. And, and I think that's sort of the perspective. And maybe, I don't know, I'm curious, like your thoughts when I'm creating these, like my perspective is like just to be of value and service and realize that most people would never, may never actually sign up for any sort of paid offering, but just to like, I don't know what the word is, but like just goodwill maybe. Uh, just to put that out into the world. Uh, that seems better for me, and also for me, it's like it took a while to put that together, and definitely having like a an assistant like help because I wasn't gonna go through and you know just didn't have the time to go through in Canva and put it all together, right? But I don't know that. What I found is like there is like a perception of the brand related to the opt-in as well.
1: For sure, for sure, yeah. I think whenever you can give something tangible that helps others that that's always going to feel good um, as a potential customer. And, you know, whether or not all of the people who received that um, or downloaded it eventually, you know, spend money with you, that's not necessarily important if they're telling other people who are going to. And I think that the kind of, you know, the, the sharing of that guide that you created on its own, Probably created a lot more opportunities, like business opportunities or leads that maybe did convert down the line. Obviously, it's hard to to track that, but I I think those types of kind of like evergreen content that can be easily shared are are great way to to grow a business.
0: So you said a couple of things. One, uh, what is evergreen content? Just so that everyone's kind of on the same page.
1: Yeah, I think I can give a good example. So uh, we talked about Kevin earlier, and uh, you know, Kevin was was. Very much like a a YouTuber. That was kind of the focus of his content. And, you know, while his content always persisted, he felt this kind of driving need to always create more and more and more and more. And he did a a bit of thinking one day about, you know, how can I build a program or a collection of these videos that's very professional, that's well packaged, that's succinct, that I actually only have to create once but that continues to provide value to others and that they're willing to pay for. And so that's when he actually transitioned to, you know, a lot of his content actually living on Teachable, which is an education platform where he now has this course that you can pay for. It kind of just runs itself and makes makes some income in the background. And then off of that, he's kind of created this, this um, cohort-based course where it's more live learning. And so to me, that, that the evergreen piece of content, what that means is, is it just persists and continues to provide value. And in his case, he was lucky where it actually also kept making him more money.
0: Yeah, that's like a, it's a really good example. And I think the thing is like the checklists and all of those things do really well. And I think they're definitely like a great. At least my experience, like, are great beginning starting point. But if you can sort of spend the time, money, and even if you need to like hire like someone to help you do this, you can create something that has more evergreen potential for an opt in. It becomes more shareable, right? Like, for example, like a colleague in, you know, maybe in a community might be like, oh, you know, Mel has this. I know I saw you creating an online course. He actually has this free guide. You can download it here, right? So that's the. The word of mouth has been I mean, you you hit the nail on the head which is it's hard to like quantify it or measure it but like you sometimes forget about that right it's not just the person that's downloading it but who they're sharing it with that we may not
1: know exactly exactly
0: yeah it's just it was that's a great reminder um okay so i mean is it so grab email addresses there's a whole bunch of platforms out there to pick do you have like a favorite one or is it more just like pick one that you think might you know?
1: Yeah, I th- I think yeah I think it that's a great question. There there are so many different platforms. So I've been I've actually been helping a, a startup recently kind of think about these types of things. You know how can they build an email list and do email marketing and and what does that look like? I guess having come from Google, <laughs> I'm very. Very embedded in our ecosystem. So there's honestly a spreadsheet and sending some emails is a great place to start. (laughs) I think that I I wouldn't worry about finding the perfect platform on day one. You can always migrate an email list to a new one. But if I was looking at something a little more robust, there's a a few that I think seem to work pretty well. One is called Apollo. And Apollo not only lets you send emails and create kind of automated uh, sequences of emails, it also Kind of connects to LinkedIn to help with lead generation as well. So that's a super interesting one. One that's a little more, I'd say, I'm not rudimentary, but a little more simple um, would be Send in Blue. And Sendinblue has the same automation. It doesn't have like kind of the lead generation uh, side of things that Apollo does. Um, But it also includes things like uh, creating like templated landing pages so that you can A, B test like what's working once you get someone to your site. And then, you know, the last one is probably, I won't say one, but an example would be like a HubSpot where it's, you know, a fully integrated CRM. They have the landing page thing. They have email sequences. But the, the big warning there is it gets very expensive. So I think it's just, it's kind of like more, probably more of an end state that, um, once things get to a a, a good place that you can kind of aim for.
0: Yeah. Have you come across, like, I know like a lot of creators like use convert kit, we use Kartra, like any of like, I mean, just any general thoughts on any of those.
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually don't have too much experience with either of those. I've, I've heard their names obviously, but yeah, not, quite in my wheelhouse.
0: Personal. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So man, our time is like flying. So the big, the big sort of takeaway is think about when you're a social media platform, you're, this is the audience that you're renting, figure out how to move it to an email list. Are there any like practical tips to do that? Like you sh- create an entire post saying like, "Hey, sign up for the, my newsletter, or is it something more subtle? Like, you know, like on your Instagram profile, right? Like the putting it there, like download, like, you know, what seems to convert better, the more explicit, like do this or more of that subtle, you know, like chill, I call it chill marketing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think both have a place for sure. There's definitely like the the more passive approach. So I would absolutely have it as part of your LinkedIn bio. So if you use something like Linktree, Kaya or something else, that's definitely a kind of st- one place I would absolutely include my newsletter as a link. If you're on YouTube or Twitter or other places that allow a little more in terms of uh, links in bio or descriptions or things like that, um, for sure have those there. I'd even potentially mention them in an outro in videos. And then, yeah, from a, a more proactive or I guess a forward um, marketing approach uh, for your for your email list. Uh, I try to tie it to either some sort of event, a an initiative. So maybe you have like a program that's kind of centered around a specific theme, or you know, just making sure that that value exchange is very overt and upfront. So, hey, I, I just created this new guide on how to do X. You can download it here, and if you sign up for your your for my newsletter. You'll get more just like this. I think those kinds of approaches are fine as long as again it feels like it's not just a a plea for people to sign up. There, it's more of a hey, I'll give you this if you sign up uh, with me.
0: Yeah, it's more like an invitation as opposed to like a please sign up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) That's awesome, Craig. Just shifting a little bit, and and maybe we can sort of wrap up with this. You've been in big tech for a number of years and one of the i imagine right like being in a situation like that there's because of the nature of it right like it can be really hard to find like sort of contentment right and even like this con this topic we're talking about right like you're when you're on these social media platforms, you're growing, right? Like, I feel this right now, because on Twitter, right? I've decided, you know, intentionally, I'm going to be active on Twitter. And I've gone from like 1800, in like December, January to almost like 5000, right? In the past, like six months, right? And I, there is that dopamine hit, right? And, and the question I've been thinking a lot about is like, you know, how much is enough? And I feel like a lot of therapists that are listening feel this pressure, right? Of, How big do I want to grow my business? Like, I got to be on these platforms. I got to pick all this for you personally. Like, how do you find contentment in you know and fulfillment?
1: That's yeah, that's a great question. I think early. So I've been yeah, I've been in kind of the the tech space now for over ten years. The last seven years at Google. I think early on, it, it seemed like a a great place to start a career. I think I was motivated by you know making progress in my career and. That could be both financial rewards, some satisfaction through promotions and feeling like the work I'm doing was impactful. Um, but I think the way I d- defined impact has changed over time. So initially I started working with very large brands and helping them, you know, spend more on ads with the platforms that I worked for. And I want to get a little more into product strategy and understand like, you know, what goes into building these platforms because it's kind of this soulless, baseless tech at times. And kind of seeing the people behind it felt like it was more interesting. So I did that for, I don't know, three, four years on the YouTube ads business. And then I think I just hit this point where I was like, enough ads. (laughs) I understand that they help both businesses big and small, but it's really hard to actually feel that impact. And that's when I started to work more with creators. And I think like the fulfilling part about that for me is that there's creators of all sizes. I think even the biggest ones have um, a lot of challenges that they face. And even just being there kind of as a sounding board to share experiences about how, um, you know, advertisers, brands, potential partners kind of think about um, the content they're creating. And how I can help them have a, a greater impact on the world in a positive way. That to me felt more fulfilling. So, yeah, I'm not sure that I'll, uh, I'll even stay in that space forever. But I think the thing that gives me fulfillment is seeing directly how my work can help others.
0: Yeah. And I think, fortunately for therapists, like they get a very sort of tangible example of that. But, you know, I think that the other thing I, I sort of took away from what you just shared is, I mean, I was, you said that line so beautifully, like creators come in all sizes, right? Like, and that's okay. You know, like it's okay to be a small creator, right? Like, you know, and it's, it's okay to not aspire to like some big thing. And, and it's a reminder, right? Like no matter what stage you're at, you still have your own unique challenges and things that you got to navigate, you know?
1: For sure. Yeah. I think fulfillment's always evolving. So (laughs) hopefully I land somewhere that gets, keeps me happy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm sure you will. Uh, Craig, I am so grateful for you, brother. Uh, if we want to connect with you and learn more about the awesome work that you're doing, how can we do that?
1: Yeah. I think the best place, honestly, for me is, is just on LinkedIn. I'm not a huge social media user, surprisingly. (laughs) I used to be, but it's uh, it's changed over time. So yeah, my LinkedIn is uh, slash uh, Craig-AG-Morris.
0: Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes uh, for you guys as well. Craig, thank you so much for this conversation. And uh, yeah, just appreciate all these insights. I know my brain is like spinning with like ideas and being strategic with some of this stuff. So appreciate you, brother.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Have a great rest of your day.
1: You too. Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Craig and especially if you have debated whether to create an email list and the merits of it. I hope that today's podcast session has just been really helpful for you. Just to kind of hammer this even home, I would say 85 to 90 percent of the people that of our colleagues that have ever bought anything that's a paid product or a service from uh, STC have come through the email list. I will get like that 10 percent on social media, but it's usually someone that's like followed me for a long time and that has uh, followed STC for a long time. It's gotten to really know me, but by and large, uh, what I have found is like the the statements that I mentioned at the intro of this conversation uh, has absolutely been true that power of an online business truly is in the the strength of an email list. So what are some of the concrete action steps for today? And I, I so I would say one is look at the social media that you, you tend to be on and where you're marketing uh, your practice and figure out how can you intentionally invite people to an email list right is it mean that you create for example if you're a podcaster does that mean that you create some sort of solo episode that aligns with whatever your email opt-in is and invite them to an email right or you know if you're on I don't know if you're on instagram maybe there's some sort of benefit of creating a valuable post and also mentioning that you've got a free workshop where you're at, you know, a free webinar or something and you're on, you know, upcoming, right? And you're putting that link in the bio of your Instagram, whatever you're doing, what I would just encourage you to do is just take a step back and see how you might be able to optimize your social media channel for email list capture as opposed to just grabbing followers. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide. If you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me, and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can, again, download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Course School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when... The core launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide.
1: Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.